Alright. So, well, we'll see how that all turns out. Meditate in the Word of God. Um, these animals, they ruminate, they chew the cud, and they are clean animals. We've talked about this before, or mentioned it in preaching. Just like the cloven-hooded, cloven-hoofed, cloven-footed, cloven-hoofed signifies a creature that is on earth and in heaven, as opposed to something that's committed to the earth. Right? Uh, these cloven-footed, they're clean animals, but they meditate, right? They ruminate, they ingest their food, and then they bring it up, and they chew it some more, and they take it down and chew it up. I'm told that cows have four stomachs. Anyone that's ever raised teenagers wonders if that's what happens to them. But with the Word of God, through the day, you call it to your remembrance, and you turn it over in your mind. You consider it. You meditate on it. We're not talking about Eastern transcendental meditation where you sit in some awkward or unusual position and, uh, and try and empty your mind of all thought. Don't ever do that. You don't ever want to try and empty your mind of all thought. You create a vacuum that can be invaded by evil spirits. And that does happen to many people that practice these things. It doesn't mean you froth and foam at the mouth, but it means you, become, you can become very deceived. Meditate on the Word. One of the things you will notice is that the way the Holy Spirit works in the human mind is by an, um, a controlled, awake mind that uh, is under the governance of your will and that is not passive. All right? So you meditate. You, you, now to meditate, and the Bible is so instructive if we'll stop and think about the implications of what it means. If you and I meditate on the scriptures, it means we remember them. So you don't want to allow yourself to, to get into the thing like my students would get into. And I did as a boy, I'm sure. You're given a reading for homework. And you actually, on this occasion, because I got a mixed bag of students, you know, uh, in the shops and, and in woodworking in particular, I got fewer and fewer academic students. Uh, in the senior grades, and more and more who just wanted to be busy with their hands didn't, and hated bookwork. Um, but, you know, so on these rare occasions, you're going to do the reading that the teacher assigns, and, you know, they get down the end of the paragraph or the page, and you have, like, what did I just read? But I'm not spending any more time on this. Turn the page. And if you ask, did you do the reading the next day? You say, yes, sir, I did. What was it about? I have no idea. And I, I would talk to my students about that and make recommendations as to what to do instead. But with your Bible, brethren, and these Bible, get through your Bible in a year charts, and they're good in the sense that they help, you know, keep us a minimum standard. But, you know, like I only have so much time before I've got to go to work. And, yeah, I don't remember, but got to get through this, right? Don't do that, brother, sister. Even if you make less progress turning the page, take the time to make more progress getting the Word into you. Stop. Go back. Start where you started from if you have to do it three or thirty times until your mind is here with you, not off over there or back in bed or wandering or dozing or solving problems or starting work early or remembering something. 
Bring your mind. Be still. And know that I am God. Now when the Bible says to be still, it's speaking to our wills. The stillness of which the Bible speaks is like a sprinter at the block. Anyone ever seen a 100 meter race? They're ready. They're alive. Every muscle is alert. But they're not moving. They're still. We're not talking about someone passed out in a hammock. Be still and not. He's still as well. But he's not aware of God. It's the, the alive one. In fact, perhaps the best illustration is the one God gave. The eagle sitting there high on the crag, still. They that wait upon the Lord shall mount up as wings as eagle. Now that eagle is not sleeping. That eagle is poised and attentive to a particular air current that it's waiting for. And when that air current comes, it leaps with a shriek and spreads its wings, and that wind carries it effortlessly up into the heavens. That's the picture that the Spirit is using when the prophet said, they that wait upon the Lord shall rise up with wings as eagles. This being is alert, still, but alert. Now, that's the kind of thing. Be still. Bring our minds to their right here in the presence of God. Fully possessed, not like some dog or toddler off there. You know, and you're chasing it around or you just give up, right? Now, the ability to make your mind be and think and focus on what you want, when you want, is a tremendous exercise. And if one has been accustomed to just letting it go, it's a bit like, I know, I know some people, I don't know if it's still true, but they couldn't do one push-up. Not even one. And so that's pretty discouraging when you hear about people that do 20 or 50 or 100 push-ups, and you can't even do one. You feel like, wow. And it, it just looked like when they started, this is not even a, a thing that's going to happen. Some, some of us might be hard to imagine that. I used to be pretty fit for a skinny guy. Wiry, I prefer. Oh, yeah. It, it, uh, and the students, you know, it, it was always impressive. Impressive to them that I could do these one-handed push-ups and kind of switch in midair, you know, switch from one to the other kind of thing. Don't know if I could do that now without hurting my nose. As I land on the wooden floor, I don't know. Maybe I'll try it again when no one's looking. But, um, but your mind, brother, sister, do what it takes to learn. It's like with, with one push-up. I remember how I started in my youth to, to learn how to do um, one-handed push-ups. And nobody taught me. I just, like, I wanted to do it. I must have seen it in a movie. And you know, young men are boys, and they're proud, and they want to be strong. I used to lift weights. I mean, <laughs> just look at me. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. And um, practice a bit of physical exercise. And, and um, yeah, no need to get into those other things. But I wanted to be able to do it, and I couldn't. So I started kind of like, you know, leaning on the stairs and just gradually worked my way down until I could do, just like in the movie, I think it was Rocky or something, the guy was, you know. But when I, I had no chance, but I worked my way at it. 
Now, brethren, do that with your mind. Wherever you start, you can become fit. The Lord Jesus, think about it. Think about this. In the course of a day, I don't know all what he experienced on the cross, obviously. That is, this is a holy place to contemplate. But in the course of a day, his mind didn't wander. Just think about that. The psalmist is speaking about Christ. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. The Lord Jesus lived in the bosom of the Father. His mind was always alert, here, conscious of God, knowing the very next thing to do and say, all of his waking moments. This is the great strong man of the Christian life. Brother, sister, that's the spirit he's given you and me spirit of a sound mind, but we have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. And your physical brain has a lot to do with your actual mind, and if it has gone to mush through disuse, just like so many North Americans through obesity, take that illustration and practice. Set yourself small goals in terms of time, but go at it with a will. Lord, I'm going to exercise myself. Meditate in the Word of God. Remember it. Read a portion. And stick with that portion, however short it needs to be, so that you can bring it back to yourself at any point in the day and turn it over in your mind and commune with God through it. This is exercising ourselves unto godliness. This is the, the, the mundane part of the Christian life. We can pray for revival and we should, and may God do much more than we pray, but we also must exercise ourselves. Present ourselves to God, living sacrifice. This is so important. Um, Philippians 4.8 tells us what to think about. We, you, know, you know, whatsoever things are good, lovely, right? Honest, true. Think on these things. That means that you and I are to control the content of our minds all the time. Think is a commandment. It is active. Brethren, these are fundamental spiritual principles. I, I thought about this, and, and, and we will, time permitting, talk a little bit about the spiritual warfare and what happens when you don't do these things. But we shouldn't and don't need to understand in great detail all of the wicked workings of Satan and his tricks if we would simply do what's written in the Word of God. So many of these things would never happen. People's minds get infected with um, evil spirits because we don't do this. Think on what is good. Do it. You do it. Exercise yourself. John, in, uh, in his gospel speaking uh, here, look at the, the Lord Jesus. If ye abide in me, John fifteen seven, and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now I know that the Lord is talking about the doing of his word in the day-to-day -day life. The greatest is to love one another. I know that's what he's talking about. But my words, later, we'll look at it, he says, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have spoken to you. Now, 
say, oh, see, the Spirit can help you remember. Yes, okay, fair enough. But do you think the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance things that they never paid attention to the first time? They had to be alert and attentive. And because they were alert and attentive and retained it, the Spirit brings together, brings to remembrance the right thing at the right time. That's what he's talking about. Um, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, how are they going to abide in us if we don't remember them? Paul said the gospel doesn't profit you unless you keep it in remembrance. Keep it, remember? 1 Corinthians 15. By which you are saved unless you have believed in vain. The mind, it's so important. Ah. Commune with the Lord. My words abide in you. Look at that promise. You shall ask what you will. Right? So, remember Psalm 1? Uh, he meditates in, in the word of God day and night. The psalmist again um, exclaims in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. Day and night. Meditate. So, start the day. Whenever that works for you. Some people work night shift. Some are mothers. They work 24-hour shift. Right? Napping when you can so whenever your start the day is, whether the middle of the day or the middle of the night, at your freshest available moment, think of a slave back in the New Testament times. Master hauls him out of bed. Do this, do that, right? Your life's not your own. Don't condemn yourself. That's not the thing. You know, you, measure, you compare yourself to somebody that you think has got it all together and then you think, well, I'm just a dud. And like, don't do that. The Lord's not in that. You work these things out with you and the Lord. And wherever your start is, get some scripture and uh, ingest it. Read it. Bring your soul to be conscious of it and to meditate, to bring it so that you can remember it. Get enough of it that you can remember. I mean, you can read two or 20 chapters if you want, but throughout the day, have a portion that you can bring back to your mind and meditate on and commune. This is, should be your start of your day. Whether your start of the day is five in the morning or five in the afternoon or midday, whatever the start of your day is. This is how to start the day with God, meditating as well. Uh, be actively pursuing the knowledge of God by doing what he's commanded you to do with your mind. You want to be a, a vessel that is filled with good and has no room for evil. Right? Filled so that nothing evil can come in. God's way is for your mind to be willfully exercised with good things that you have chosen or decided to think about. He tells you what to think about. You've got a wide buffet. It's got to be good, true, honest, lovely, right? Praiseworthy. Think on these things. Not let your mind loose and then panic if it gets into trouble. Anybody have, I don't show hands, but you know what we're talking about? Kind of just, you could be, I mean, I don't want to pick on it, because they just come to mind and someone says, you mean that for me? No, it's just a limited imagination. But you could be digging a ditch, you could be washing the dishes, you could be whatever, and your mind's just like, right? You're just trying to get through the day. This is what it's like being tired or monotonous. One of my weaknesses, I find 
monotonous or boring tasks, very draining energy-wise. Right? So I could be fresh, and then I'm just doing something tedious, and my energy just depletes. I have to exercise my will to just keep going at it. Some people seem like they've just... <laughs> but if it doesn't engage my mind, it's a huge effort for me to keep it going at the task. But we still need to do it. Right? Um, and if you're short of sleep or if you're sick or something, that's that much more. But you decide the content of your mind. That's a commandment from God. Think about good things. So, it's not just the good things. Oh, I remember that. You know, a lot of good, happy memories, and I just let my mind be passive. Like, I'll turn my child loose in a candy store. Well, that's not good, eh? So, I'll turn my, my, my child loose in a vegetable store, and they can just pick and eat whatever they want, right? So, that's good. It's still passive. You can't just let your mind go. I mean, once in a while, I don't need to go around all intense. That's not the point. The point is there's a command for the content, good things, but there's a command on the action. Think, not let your mind wander. All right, well, I'll flog that horse as hard or as frequently it needs to be said. That other passage in um, Psalm 119, uh, verse 105, I think, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. A lot of people, you know, they want spiritual guidance and so on. The scriptures... The Word of God, a lamp unto my feet. Think of it, shall we, in the, um, the, the times, the, the Old Testament times. An agricultural community, you're walking out in the paths, you're coming from the field after dark. There are no street lights. <laughs> it's dark. The Lord Jesus says, no man can walk in darkness. And he's got a lamp. He doesn't have a what some call an Amish headlight, right? Strapped to his forehead, those LEDs. He's got a lamp. And uh, he's holding it. And it's a, it's a light, right? Thy words, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It lets you see a couple of steps at a time so that you don't go over a cliff or step on something or, or whatever. Guide you through life, step by step, the Word of God. But you see it? You've, you, you've got to know. You and I must know the Scriptures and consider the Scriptures. This is how God guides, not prayed about it, and I just feel led. Maybe I stepped on everybody's toes with that, but you don't see that in the Scripture. We can talk about divine guidance from the Bible and have a look at it. And there are exceptions. But the normal run of life is that the Word of God directs your steps. What to do in this situation. How to answer this person. What about this? It's just, there it is. And you know because you're meditating on it. And of course, it's line upon line. The path of life should be decided, the path of life decision should be guided by the Word of God. Transformed by, by your own mind, being renewed by the Word of God. For example, fear, fretting, worry, anxiety, insecurity. These things be purged from your soul by the Word of God. 
It's great when God does that in a moment. Often that happens when people are born again, like all these things. But over time, a lot of them come back. And it's not that they went away and came back. It's that there's so much a part of you that their displacement from your conscious thoughts and emotions was short-lived by that um, newness of salvation. And now God wants to deal with you and transform how you think all the time. Your dispositions. The, the, the lens through which you look at the world. A fearful person needs to meditate in the Word of God. And let that Word... Um, just imagine... Uh, a, a vessel, right? No bleach and all that, just natural circumstance. Imagine a vessel with sludge in the bottom. You're pour in water and shake and pour and shake and keep the water pouring in. And it's going to displace, displace, displace until all the dirt's gone and it's only clean water inside. Alright? This is one of the means God uses. And you and I must feed on the word of God. Let not your heart be afraid. Ye believe in God, believe in me. Now, brother and sister, you've got to meditate. You've got to actually eat. You've got to get the food in you. Chew it. Swallow it. Bring it back up because you're a cow. Can't believe I said that. Uh, Chew it some more. Down it goes. Back up it comes. You meditate on it. I know there's prayer. I know there's healing. I know there's deliverance. I know those things. God has done some of those things in me, through me, so on. But we're talking about the normal way. The Lord wants you and I to be so saturated with His Word that His Word is what is our response to circumstance. We hear Jesus, I can remember, two little girls, and they're sitting here this morning, pacing the floor in the hospital at four o'clock in the morning, because the obstetrician had called us on our home at 11 o'clock on Friday night, saying, get your wife to the hospital, I'm worried that the babies are not going to live till the morning. And pacing the floor. Wow, they're in there. And a nurse coming out said, I don't know why we're even bothering. We can't even get a heartbeat. Good news, eh, brothers? And the word of Scripture came to my mind. Be not afraid. Only believe. The word of God. A lamp unto my feet. A light unto my path. Be not afraid. Now, brothers, can you relate to what a dad with his wife in there after a phone call at your home at 11 o'clock on a Friday night might be tempted to be thinking at 4 o'clock in the morning, having had no sleep, not unusual for me, but still, um, and hearing something like that, might your mind be prone or tempted to think all sorts of things? The Word of God brings 
calm, peace, trust, right? Uh, you know, what is the underlying thing about our fears? The Lord, I mean, we, we could look at it, right? John fourteen twenty seven. 27. Um, peace I live with you, leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you, right? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Luke 12 and so on, where he talks about be not of a, of a doubtful mind concerning, you know, provisions for the future. And brethren, that's, that hasn't been applicable for us for a long season. But with the world, you know, it's all about economies and a, another depression or recession and all of these things that are going on in the world so uncertain. Don't be of a doubtful mind. Seek first the kingdom of God. All the necessities of life will be added to you. Right? Now that's a choice, you know, you can meditate on this word. Not just, you know, it's like, minds like this are trying to remember it, you know. It's like some poor child on a stage having to give a speech, you know. Eight years old, he sees a scene, he's going to pieces. Don't be nervous. Don't, it doesn't work. <laughs> I told you, don't be nervous. <laughs> Good luck with that. Not that kind of thing. But an internalizing of it. Don't give a doubtful mind. Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. And you still your heart with the word of God like a mother stills a room full of you know, children that are boisterous and squabbling. And you still, you quiet your heart with the word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word of God. Alright? And you can search those things out further. Let's look at the uh, second thing. The working of the Holy Spirit in the mind. This is a, uh, so many mistakes are made in this realm that, uh, and, and all kinds of folly happens in Christians' lives and in church lives because people mistake um, things for the Holy Spirit that are not the Holy Spirit. All right? Most of life is ordinary. Most of the way God works in your life is through you and I believing the Scripture. That's mostly it. And yes, there are exceptions. There are all kinds of things. But um, that's what you and I should be applying ourselves for. I remember uh, reading something by A.W. Tozer. Must be about 40 years ago now, almost in any case. And he was talking about getting to know the Lord. And he used an illustration I think is quite appropriate. He talked about a parent of a newborn and probably a first-time parent, you know, and, you know, a newborn baby. And, oh, he's smiling at me. Hate to brush it to you, no, he isn't. <laughs> he's a newborn. That mouth's just moving. He actually has colic, you know. And uh, <laughs> you know, and then you're holding these little ones, and you put your finger. And, oh, look, he's holding my hand. You know, no, it's a reflex. You're just so self-absorbed, and you're delighting in him. This little child. They, you watch, you give them a hot french fry and they'll squeeze it and they burn themselves and they don't have what it takes to let go and to figure that out. They're just, it's just a reflex. I've seen that with a little baby. You know. Grab the hot french fry out of them and then they're crying and, they, and the parents trying to pry their fingers up. It's just a reflex. But you think, you know, this child is holding my hand sweet. Now, you get acquainted. You, you figure it out after time. But you make a lot of blunders at the start, right? And it's very much like that. The Christian mistakes all sorts of things for what God is saying and doing based on how they feel and, and so on. 
It happens all the time. Big blunders. But he knows we're children. He loves us. He's not critical of us, and we shouldn't be critical of one another. It's a, it's a poor parent that's critical of his baby. You have to admit. Like, that's just weird. Um, and God's not critical of his children. So let's look at how the Holy Spirit works in our mind. The first thing is what? What kind of thoughts in your mind would be of the Holy Spirit or at the very least pleasing to the Holy Spirit? Right? The content. Uh, and the first one we want to think of are the words of Christ. John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. These are the kinds of memories the Holy Spirit inspires in you. The words of Christ. Lots of memories people have, and they're not inspired of God. The best can be said for them is that their natural mind is deformed and uh, a negative but the Holy Spirit working in your mind will bring to your remembrance the words of Christ. And chiefly, his commandments centering on loving one another. In a circumstance, you know, uh, I was just with somebody and, and, you know, a group of us was there and this brother or sister, you know, I didn't appreciate it. I just remember the words of Christ. One of you is a devil. <laughs> no. That's not the Holy Spirit working in your life. All right? That's n- it's not, listen, you, you've been blessed if you haven't, uh, haven't experienced all of these kinds of people. There's all kinds, these proud people think they have discernment and their minds are a playground for Satan to misuse the scripture and think negatively of other people. They think they have discernment. They don't. They think they do. They have a discernment, it's not of God. You search these Gospels. Well, the Lord Jesus did this and this. Yeah, you proud thing. You're nowhere near him. You're struggling. And you think you're spiritual and can see the naked hearts as the Lord Jesus did? People get deceived, usually men, based on pride, and deceive themselves. And it enables them to lift themselves above the teachings of Christ where he says, judge not. I've got discernment and I kind of see your problem and your problem and your problem. Not of God. This is a counterfeit. The Lord Jesus. You look at him. Yes, he exposed the Pharisees. They were pretty far gone. You look at him with Zacchaeus. Didn't expose it. Even that rich young ruler, self-righteous, he didn't say, look, let me tell you a real problem. The woman taken in adultery. She wasn't a repentant woman. She was taken in the very act. She was dragged out of there from her sin. And he didn't expose her, humiliate her. The Lord Jesus didn't go around taking on people's, uh, you know, and exposing them on this, speaking to your life, you've got this problem, you've got that problem. People cherry-pick the scriptures to suit their personality, to, to um, justify a mind that is evil. But this is not the Holy Spirit. All right, the words of Christ... Um, He shall bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. 1526. 
when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, he shall, right, the Spirit of truth, he shall testify of me. Holy Spirit's going to fill your mind with Christ and all his wonder, beauty, and glory. Um, <clears throat> chapter 16 in John, 13 and on. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, right? Verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. Um, he shall, verse 15, he shall take of mine and show it to you. So the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's working in your mind, it's filling your mind with Christ. Uh, chiefly, the chiefest of these are the words of love, right? Little children love one another. Just, just think about, will you, will you reason with us together? Let's reason together. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. If you're in a situation and um, there is a potential for injury on your part by how the other person is, what the other person is up to, doing. What would the Holy Spirit bring to your heart and mind if he had the cooperation with you to do that? What would he bring to you? Who wants to venture? What kind of thing? So forgiveness, okay. So that would be one kind of thing, the Lord, right? These are Lord's words. Um, forbearing one another in love, that may be something the Spirit would bring to mind. Love one another as I have loved you. Would you agree? Um, these are the kinds of things. Charity suffereth long and is kind. If the Holy Spirit's going to be bringing something to your mind in a situation where you could be tempted to be unloving. He's going to bring something loving to your members. Is that reason? In your marriages. Men, he's going to bring to your mind, husbands, love your wives. He's not going to bring to your mind, wives, submit to your husbands, brother, if you don't think she's doing that right now. That's just your own flesh cherry-picking that. That's written to her. And don't you be praying that he'll bring that to her mind either. You just focus on, Lord, let me get this right and love my wife. It's Christ's love of church. It's important, brethren. The Holy Spirit working in your mind, these are the kinds of things. 1 Corinthians 13, about love. Uh, John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And on and on. So much of the Lord's words are about love. And if a brother has done something and you be tempted to be um, negatively disposed toward them, if the Holy Spirit's working in your mind, He's going to be bringing your thoughts towards love. And if that's not where your thoughts are going, the Holy Spirit's not working in your mind. And you want to bring yourself into a place where he is. That's why it dominates John's major epistle. What's he all about in John? First John, love. Now, for your own soul, what will the Holy Spirit bring to your mind about you and where you're at with God? Think about how much of the Christian's life 
is spent with some kind of feeling about, or, or, or thought about where they're at with the Lord. Would you say that is a pretty common and dominating thing? How you're doing with God? Is that right? Who would say that that is where I'm at with the Lord or how God feels toward me or what my relation does? No? Just a, one or two? Yeah. Um, well, it's God pleased with you or did I let the Lord down? Or You know, this is very important. Now, what kinds of thoughts about your standing with God are of the Holy Spirit? Alright? One of the number one ones would be comfort. The gospel. The gospel of comfort. Comfort ye my people. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. And even the spirit of prophecy that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You know, he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and to comfort. You all may prophesy, that all may learn, that all may be comforted. And the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Now, if your mind is filled with thoughts of accusation, there is who's the accuser? The devil. If your thoughts are filled with accusation against you, so the devil at least it will lay the groundwork for him to come. The devil is, um, you know, in the same way that the Lord uses the lion as a type of both Christ and Satan. Is that right? The lion of the tribe of Judah, or the devil walks about as a roaring lion. So he uses the eagle in nature as a picture of the heavenly one who descends but also as a picture of the evil one, who is attracted to dead, rotting things. You can spot them from the sky. Down he comes to feast on that corruption. And if you have a mind that is filled with evil, negative things, you are inviting the attention of evil spirits. And you need to deal with that. You need to drive that away. And one of the best ways to do that is to think as a Christian ought to think. So the Holy Spirit brings comfort, not accusation. So the devil, he accuses you, he accuses your brethren, and he accuses God. And if your mind has accusations against you, it's not of the Holy Spirit. If your mind has accusations against your brethren, that's not of the Holy Spirit. If your mind has accusations against God, that is of the devil. All right. Don't allow it. Brethren, think about it. Your mind is your home. It's where you live. It makes you either comfortable or distressed. Right? If you have a mind at perfect peace with God, that scripture we could have looked at earlier, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And so, you know, you're comfortable in that home. If you have anxiety or fear or worry or... or, or um, whatever thing that could plague you, you're uncomfortable. But don't allow it in your home. Chase it out. What, what was Joseph wrote uh, recently, David Hiscount, right? And a, a chipmunk, was it a chipmunk? Got in the house. People found a raccoon in the house and so on. Lord, help us never have a skunk come into our house. It's an open door. <laughs> 
Get the thing out of there though, right? You have a critter in your house that's not supposed to be there. You're going to do whatever it takes to get it out. We don't even like the flies buzzing, right? You go and smack it. How's your thought like? Do you allow unclean birds in your mind? Is your mind, as the prophet said, a place of dragons? Evil things. Fears and hates. Criticisms and accusations. Or does your mind feast on the beauty of Jesus and the love of God? You see? What a transformation. Place that was a dwelling place of jackals is become a gar- as the Garden of Eden. These are the things the prophet speaks about. The desert blossoms as the rose. This is your mind, beloved brother, sister. As the Spirit of God uh, fills it with the beauty and the fragrance of Christ as you meditate on his word of love. No accusation. Thoughts of accusation are not of the Holy Spirit. Not condemnation. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Not darkness, not cloud, not confusion, not the faults of others. Those thoughts are not of God. Alright? Um, we'll look at a, 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 just a mention of the passage and you can jot them down if you want to look at later. John 5.45 Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. That's Jesus. Are you dealing with... <laughs> Um, where are they now? Let me find the... Verse 16 of John 5. Therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. And he gets into this dialogue with them and this conflict, this dispute. He's talking to persecutors and he said, Do not think that I will accuse you. How much less is he going to accuse the brethren? Woman, neither do I condemn thee. There's no condemnation. That's in John. Um, Revelation 12.10 tells us that Satan's accuser of the brethren. First uh, John 1.5 says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No dark thoughts are not of God. James 1.17 says that... Um, you know, God with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Shadows, confusion, cloud, this is not of God. First Corinthians 14.33 tells us that God is not the author of confusion. Matthew 7.1-5 has the words of Christ telling us not to judge our brother. And behold, to be fixated, to observe the fault in your brother. And thoughts like that are not of God. And then at Philippians 4.8, you should be thinking lovely things about your brother. Ephesians 4.32-5.2 and Colossians 3.12-13 talk about being kind and tender-hearted and forbearing and forgiving. This is the disposition of the Christian. Okay, so this is the what. We can think about our thinking. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How does the Holy Spirit work in the mind? Alright? From within the believer, as he consciously, purposefully, actively, and willfully considers and meditates in the Word of God. 
in a meek spirit. This is the how. As you and I are given to that meditation, and then we're singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, that's how the Holy Spirit infiltrates, so to speak, our mind. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And as you and I, if we are born again, meditate on the Word of God and worship Him from our hearts, then this puts us in a frame of being whereby the Holy Spirit has ready access to influence our minds as He will and bring to our minds the Word of God um, which guides us and is a lamp to our feet. Are you getting a vision for this? Man? This is the practical practical spirituality. Remember Elisha, and I don't remember the passage right now, when the word of God was needed and he said, bring me a minstrel. And the minstrel played and the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied. The, there are several things to take away from that. But the thing is that his consciousness needed to be in a frame whereby he was susceptible to discerning the Holy Spirit. And the things that we are talking about put us into the right frame of being to be influenced by the Spirit of God. That's the thing. Yeah. Conscious, purposeful, willful, meditating, right? Not passive. The devil works vigorously in passive minds. This is why a lot of occult and Eastern mysticism and so on. And these kinds of religions require people to kind of... They're creating a passive state of mind that can be influenced from the outside by a supernatural. And that is the exact opposite of how God works. Stay away from those things, brethren. Some of them have infiltrated some Christian writing. And it's contrary to God. God wants you still in full possession. Concentrating. And in His presence. Uh, <clears throat> there are numerous passages on these things and uh, time would fail to, to tell them all yeah there are more you know meditate on these things give thyself wholly to them 1 Timothy 4.15 2 Timothy 2.7 consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding in all things all right do you see this here Consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding. He didn't say, you know, pray and expect like this flashing revelation to come to your mind. He says, as you are meditating in the word of God, as you apply yourself and are in the word of God, the Lord will open your understanding. This is how he works. This is the danger of some of these, um, and I don't want to slag anybody, I'm sure so many of them are well-meaning, but some of these um, congregations that re rely on high level of emotion and you know, I don't know if you've ever seen them I remember a brother put out a clip I mean, I watched it, oh boy they, they got going and one fellow was so excited he jumped and flipped over into the baptismal tank another fellow did a roll on the stage like they just mayhem right, they get themselves all over glory, this is not the way brother Again, rejoice and exalt as David did, but in, in, in full communion with God. <clears throat> Meditate. Consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding. This is how it goes. Uh, Tim, uh, Peter um, dials it down a little for us, makes it even um, easier. 
Now he's writing to babes, so, but it's all the same principle. 2 Peter 1.19, we also, and he's talking about the scriptures, right? Uh, about the word of God. We, we received this voice in the Holy Mount. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. Right? Until the day dawn and the day star rise in your own hearts. Diligent attention to the words of the apostles. And that is how the revelation of Christ dawns. It arises gradually in the heart. Alright? These are the normal ways of how the Spirit works. There's so much more we could... Um, and so many more passages. The anointing teaches you of all things. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Now, that was, uh, there was a, a way he did that, and that was for the apostles, and then we, as we study the scriptures, uh, he guides us into what he guided them into. Well, we are nearly out of time. Now we're a quarter way through. I guess it'll be a several part to this. I'm happy enough to, to uh, deal with this first, and maybe I'll, I'll touch on some of the spiritual warfare, because as you set yourself to do this, you will face conflict. But I want to say this, brethren, you and I do not need to, 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 to really be, um, understand all of the, the, the tricks of the evil one. Some of them are necessary, and it's especially necessary for shepherds to understand these things. But if we would only be diligent to do everything Christ has commanded, it would, it would just bolt all the doors and windows against the wicked one. He wouldn't be able to get in. And then you'd really recognize him because he's bashing at the window or the door. But when we take all the screens off, all the windows open, doors left open, all kinds of critters coming in and out, then we've got a problem now. How do you get rid of a skunk in your house? That might be saying, move, you know, just... Let him have the house and get out of there. I don't know what you would do. But I'm sure there's a better way. Don't do that. If we would be diligent, our house would be filled and it would be protected. Spiritual gifts we're not going to address today. Because that is one of the ways the Holy Spirit moves in the mind. We're not going to address that today. Uh, we'll leave that for another time. I would have three recommendations concerning that though. Alright, just three, we'll move on. We're going to close soon. Let all, this is number one, let all pursuit of spiritual gifts come after or as a result of good exercise in those things that we've already talked about. Alright, so we're already well exercised. We do not only can we do one push-up, we can do at least 20. You get my point? Uh, our minds are now accustomed to meditating on the Word of God. Our hearts are filled with the love to God and man. And, right, this is the greatest commandment is love, and so this is what we've pursued. And as these things are well established in our being, we might ask, Lord... Can you give me some tools to help build? That's what spiritual gifts are, right? So, don't be one of those people who gets all distracted, right? Uh, and, and they want this gift and that, and oh, God's moving, and, and, and they leap over knowing the Lord Jesus. 
You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that kind of thing, those kinds of people? They don't, they're a menace. Oh. The worst example of that is Simon the sorcerer. Power hungry man. What caught his eye? Was it, wow, look at all these lives transformed. He said, wow, look at this power. Healing. And then when the apostles came and laid their hands and people were filled with the Holy Spirit, said, that's power, I want that power. You see, give me this power. What an evil man. On whomsoever I lay hands. Awful. Not, oh Lord, if I could bless people like that. You see the difference? So many people taken up with spiritual gifts because they're power-hungry men. God help us. So, brethren, my advice is to not pursue those things except that it is an expression of love and that we are rooted and grounded in love and that our minds are not vulnerable to all of these passive things. Two, that's one. Pursue from being well exercised in meditating in the word of God and the heart of love. Two, don't attach spiritual significance to questionable or ordinary things. All right? Well, I hadn't thought, you know, the Lord spoke to me. No, he didn't. You're just so desperate for something supernatural that you're just trying to... Okay? I had this dream. Yes, and a dream cometh by a multitude of busyness. You just got busy stuff going on in your head or your life. Well, it was really vivid. Uh-huh. Like, how about we deal with these things in your heart and mind and life? I dreamt I married this girl. You know, the Lord spoke to me. Well, tell that to all the thousands of unbelievers that have had the same dream. It's literally saying, the girl of my dreams. Don't blame your dreams on God. All right? And I realize, brethren, most of us here, you know, this would not be a thing, but um, it's ordinary. Even the Apostle Peter, look at, look at Peter's humility. And accuracy and honesty. Acts chapter 11, verse 16. Or verse, verse 14. So he's, he's, or verse 15. He's talking about how Cornelius and them got filled with the Spirit. As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. And then the Lord spoke to me and brought that scripture to my mind. It's not what he says. But that's how a lot of Christians talk. He says, then remembered I the word of the Lord. How that he said, John indeed baptized with water. So there, Peter, he's preached, the Holy Spirit fills these believers, the manifestation of tongues and so on. And then this, the words of Jesus came to his mind. And Peter would remember that the Lord said, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance whatever I've said to you. And even with that, he didn't say, you know, and then the Lord spoke to me. He's not trying to dramatize. He's just telling you what happened. Then I remembered this. And if the apostle would attach such precision and humility to his experiences, and not try and fluff them. How much more should you and I just be humble about? Uh, yeah, I remember this, or this came to my mind. All right? Don't try and over-spiritualize or attach spiritual significance to questionable or ordinary things. I just felt led. That's great you had those feelings. Now scrutinize them with the word of God, because don't be thinking that's the Lord. Right? The Lord is clear. He's unmistakable. You, the examples of God leading spiritually are there in the scripture. 
and the rest is just our human emotion. It doesn't mean it's wrong, it just means it's ordinary. So, let all pursuit of spiritual gifts, that's one, come after or as a result of good exercise in meditating in the Word of God and being filled with His love and having our minds under control of the Spirit, under our own control. Two, don't attach spiritual significance to questionable or ordinary things. Three, beware of and avoid counterfeits. Again, like sudden thoughts, flashes of insight, vivid dreams. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. These things are most often human, sometimes of the devil. Examine them for content and how they come to you. All right? Uh, as we've talked about earlier. Is this of God? Well, there's a sense in which the content decides. Is it of the Word of God? Is it loving? Is it of the law of love? Is it righteousness and truth? Examine it. Prove all things. So take them to the Word of God and thoroughly examine these things in the light of the Scripture. Not just one, two. You know, like the poor guy who... I mean, it must have been a joke. You know, these people are looking for guidance and they just, what's the word of God say to play on doing this? Open the Bible and just, right? You ever heard of that? People looking for guidance? And Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, no, no, that's not it. Go and do thou likewise. Oh, oh, that's not good. That thou doest, do quickly. Right now, this is just the wrong way to get guidance. <laughs> there are people that do that. I don't know if they've had that kind of a bad situation. Um, that's not the way. Examine the whole of Scripture. Is this revelation, idea, thought, is it, how does it line up with all of the teachings of Christ and the Apostles? All right? Um, Remember, we're talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual experiences. Because these things, they often disturb the mind, they often distract the mind, and they can sometimes feed someone's feeling of pride. Oh, I'm special, I had this experience. So, that's, what we, that's all we're going to say about spiritual gifts on this occasion. Well, it, it's, we really should stop. I mean, we could go on. Um, maybe, uh, maybe after lunch, uh, I should share a bit on some of these uh, these other things, because eh? we're we're probably ready for a break, eh? uh, time-wise. What um, what I was going to share on next: um, some natural tendencies and spiritual consequences. So I was going to describe a passive mind and what to do about it. Because uh, it can get into a state where you need a spiritual intervention, even. Um, a racing mind. We can talk a little bit about that. And what to do about that. Um, and spiritual attacks and Satan's devices. We're going to talk about that. And how to overcome that. And then settle, you know, mind at perfect peace with God. Um, uh, where we want to go with these things. But realistically, I think uh, 
we uh, we need to be able to uh, be refreshed and consider some of these things. And uh, time, you know, we can't we can't um, can only absorb so much right, in our day. That's what I was going to tell you earlier when I, you know, when on my rabbit trail didn't come back. You know, they're advertising obesity uh, as a good thing because we're a much more obese generation. Mentally, before Twitter. A hundred years ago, politicians used to make two, four, and six-hour speeches. People used to listen to them. No one has that kind of attention span today anymore. Right? Our technology, right? We're, we're not as exercised, but brethren, we can exercise. They used to do it in the Lord's Day. They continued with Jesus for three days, not even eating. They weren't playing volleyball, forgive me. Just the Word of God outside. No, 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 no tea, no cookies, no fellowship meal. Just the Word of God, three days. He says, we're going to feed them now so they don't faint when they send them back home. They had an attention span for the Word of God in those days. And I realize that we're all, all of us, myself, I'm not putting anyone down. Our capacity is much less, so we'll, we'll stop here. But the one thing, brethren, exercise your mind with the Word of God. Change some of your lifestyle issues to develop a habit like your fitness regime that you, we all think about and put off to next year's New Year's resolutions that we don't make and don't keep. But, uh, meditate in the Word of God and remember that the greatest is charity. Whatever thoughts you have, the thoughts of love and goodwill. Let's pray. Father, we have barely touched on these things and awkwardly expressed, but Lord, we trust that thy word, the many scriptures to which we have referred, and thy truth uh, is here with us. Strengthen thy people, Lord, in the spirit to be those that follow Christ, who night and day meditated in thy word, and whose meat was to do thy will, the zeal of whose house ate him up, Father, may thy spirit strengthen us with might in the inward man to so follow Christ in these things. Bless our afternoon uh, fellowship, Lord. We thank you for the food and for the opportunity to enjoy it together in peace. In Christ's precious name, amen.